Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to Cannabis Daily, or if this is your first time with us, welcome. If you'd like to see uh, all that we do, you can check out our full archive of Business of Cannabis here on this YouTube channel. And like all people on YouTube, I'm obligated to ask you to smash the subscribe button over here. And if you're tuning in outside of YouTube, we'd encourage you to head to our channel anyway to subscribe and keep up with the latest from the cannabis industry. For those of you that are new to Business of Cannabis since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. And that's what we look to do here every day. First, we'll run down the key stories we're following, then go to a cannabis conversation with a newsmaker in our B of C Live segment. And today's conversation is with Matt Maurer of Torque and Mains, talking about the year ahead and what it means for Canadian cannabis law. As you may know, Torque and Mains is the official law firm of Business of Cannabis in Canada. We love to hear from you in the comments and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com as well as through all of our social channels on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And now for our top stories of the day. The news is indeed in the news today and no longer friends in New York. And do you want to lose weight? And finally, London's mayor is talking decrim. For our first story, when the news is in the news, kicking things off, New York-based events company Emerald X has acquired MJ Biz for $120 million U.S. million, according to MJ Biz Daily. Of course, it was at MJ Biz Daily. The sale includes the cannabis industry's biggest trade show, MJ BizCon, in addition to the MJ Biz Daily uh, property website uh, news source. Uh, the Hemp Industry Daily and MJ Biz Magazine publications. As reported, the move aligns with Emerald X's strategy and reflects the increasing normalization of cannabis in the mainstream. And while both companies took a major hit, obviously, through the pandemic as they were event-based, both have made a comeback. MJ Biz said their revenues were approximately $27 million in 2021, nearing pre-pandemic levels. And Emeralds increased from $15 million in Q2 to $76.5 million in Q3 of 2021, compared to $360 million in 2029. And if you're curious about what else Emerald does, I'd encourage you to check out the International Pizza Expo, which is the largest annual trade show and conference uh, in the pizza world, with more than 450 exhibitors and 7,000 attendees. I, in my mind, I'm just imagining MJ BizCon happening at the same time as International Pizza Expo. Might be some interesting synergies there. For more on this, we'll actually have MJ Biz CEO Chris Walsh with us on Monday next week. So tune in for that on this program. For our second story, MedMen terminates Ascend acquisition. Boston-based Ascend Wellness issued a press release accusing MedMen of materially breaching the terms of its acquisition deal by terminating their investment agreement, also reported by MJ Biz Daily. The $63 million deal was announced last February, and that announcement Ascend would take 86.7% stake in MedMen's New York cannabis business with an option to acquire the rest following the launch of the state's adult use market. Ascend announced on December 30th, end of the year news, that it had been approved by regulators and it would close imminently. MedMen, to quote, MedMen had initially requested the New York state regulators approve the transaction in March 2021, read the release. The regulators have since complied with the request, but now MedMen is disputing the Office of Cannabis Management's unambiguous regulatory approval and is refusing to close and is attempting to terminate that transaction. 
on its own defense, MedMen confirmed the agreement had been terminated in a release. So we guess these friends are now officially on a break. For our third story, Juana's Cannabis for Weight Loss gets the New York Times treatment. Fit Gummies, a new line of edibles by Colorado-based Juana Brands, purports to help consumers lose weight with its THCV compound. But the New York Times isn't so sure the science back in the claim is sound or even exists at all. Juana's website stated that according to a 2021 clinical trial commissioned by ECS Brands, supported by the National Institutes of Health and under the guidance of the Mayo Clinic, quote, found 100 out of 100 participants in the study lost weight without exercise or changing daily caloric output values. Although neither the NIH nor the Mayo Clinic said that they had a study in their records, the founder and CEO of ECS Brands called it a, quote, paperwork issue, stating that, quote, we have full confidence that everything that we did is accurate and true. So the New York Times will no doubt be following up on that. For our final story, London plans to decriminalize youth cannabis offenses. Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, is working on a plan that would decriminalize cannabis offenses by those under the age of 25 by providing counseling rather than arrest. This is all according to The Guardian. The plan's based on a successful model created by the Thames Valley Police. The three boroughs would pilot the program in London. Drugs would not technically be decriminalized. That would probably be a broader issue in the UK. But the pilot uh, has not received approval by the Office for Policing and Crime. And, not unimportantly, Downing Street isn't supportive of the move, with Prime Minister Boris Johnson's spokesman stating that illegal drugs, quote, destroy lives and fuel Violence. Welcome to the century, Boris Johnson. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all of these stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up next, a live com- BFC live conversation with Matt Maurer of Torque and Mains LLP. Matt is a longtime attorney serving the sector and a frequent guest on Business of Cannabis channels. He is the co-chair of the Cannabis Law Group at Torque and Mains and has a deep understanding of where the sector is today and importantly, where it is going tomorrow. Here is our BFC live conversation with Matt Maurer. Matt Maurer, Happy New Year. You are with Torque Mains, our official law firm or business of cannabis. Nice to see you. Happy New Year, Jay. Nice to see you. Happy New Year. Is that a question? Uh, yeah. Let's just see. <laughs> this is going to be a statement, but Happy New Year. Happy yeah. New It's definitely a new year. That's not the question. The yeah, happy part of the question. Year. Well, happy, good to see you. happy New Year. Well, I want to talk to you about cannabis, cannabis news, cannabis industry, and cannabis law. Uh, anything over the past year that struck you uh, of interest that'll impact this year? Uh, it's a lot of, easier to buy cannabis on the street in Toronto. I mean, not on the street, but you know, density. on the street, curbside pickup. You can, you know, literally, quite, quite literally. Uh, I'm trying to think of what happened in the past year because um, the last two or three are kind of all a, all a blur. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. Like it's, it's. I feel like we're kind of settling in, and by we, I mean the industry, um, is just sort of settling into its groove and things are starting to settle. I think we saw that first with the LPs where it was kind of like, 
rapid expansion and then maybe we've done well not maybe in some cases we certainly did expand too much and we had to close things and scale back and sell things um i feel like the lps some of them are really starting to find their groove on certain products whether it's uh, a segment uh certain companies doing certain segments well or even a product within a segment really well um i feel like there's some brand recognition there and then obviously on the retail side uh in Ontario, you know, I think that if the the AGCO public notice notifications are any indication, we've slowed down on the pace of opening for sure. Um, and I think we're going to shift into, you know, who's going to make it, uh, how well are they going to do, what's what are things going to look like, and and you know, kind of let the dust settle a bit. Probably have some closures in 2022 in Ontario for sales for stores retail sales for sure um and then a lot of the other provinces you know some of them are shifting from the, the government model to a private um bc is slowly building its retail infrastructure as it has been since 2018 or whatever Even before 2018 i was actually going to say fair and fair comment before 2018 um so you know and then even outside of retail and the lps which i guess are kind of the traditional um segments of the market uh and there's others but you know there's and there's always room for surprise and innovation and so it's going to be you know maybe it's going to be tech um more tech this year uh maybe it'll be some accessories maybe we'll see consumption lounges um the dialogue start to change a little bit uh tourism let's see if we get regular tourism uh, export or import before we get cannabis tourism export or import um but i think it's it's going to continue to be another this year will continue to be another interesting period in the industry, especially with um, we've got that three year cannabis act review coming up. Although I don't think the government has to table the recommendations till next year, um, but that's coming up too. So there's going to be, you know, Manitoba is doing a consult on um, consumption lounges. I think the consult on the cannabis act is closed. I can't remember, but there's a lot of things happening as per usual. And then of course, if you go look into the States, it's, it's, everything's, you know, uh, on, on overdrive right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting. And it's, you know, you always get asked the question sort of where are you in the, in, in, you know, in a hot, what period are in the hockey game or what of a baseball game. And it's like, we're definitely not in the first anymore, certainly in Canada, but we're entering this phase where it's going to be closer to steady state, certainly in terms of, retail density, certainly in Ontario. What about products? What about innovations? What about like all those things seem to be entering another phase, but it is interesting, I think, and you mentioned it to measure our phase of where we are to like net new markets, like in New York, where the conversations they're having in New York, I mean, were probably panel conversations you were on as part of our events two, three years ago, right? Like how does retail roll out? Who says yes? Who says no? Why is saying no? Can you manufacture here? Can you produce there? Can you sell it here? Is there delivery e-com? lounges, like all those things are still early days, which is interesting sort of to gauge the different playing fields. Totally. And I see this, I talk sometimes when I talk to attorneys in the UK, um, they're talking to me and it's like, I'm, I'm being talked at in a way that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but in a way that was the same discussions everyone here was having in 2017 and 2018, you know, like very early Canadian days across the pond, as they say. Um, in the UK and, and you know the states is no different and then you look at 
other countries, Malta's doing, um, you know, moving forward, other countries are moving forward. And then I don't know if it'll be this year, uh, I highly doubt it, but then there's the whole kind of global aspect of it. You know, we've already seen some pressure to allow for imports into Canada, which, you know, years ago, there was a little bit of talk about this where people said, well, are you ever going to let imports in? And people would say, well, why would the government do that? They forced all these LPs to spend tens of millions of dollars on these crazy facilities. And then they're going to go shoot them all in the foot by letting, you know, places like Mexico and California and Florida and, the, and Central America import where the cost per gram of production is just like a fraction of what it is here. Right. So, um, you know, we might see that that. We might not see how the global market comes together, but we're going to see more global development, certainly in 2022. And then maybe 2023 will be the year where we see how those trade pieces start fitting in together. So we talk trade, we talk overall landscape about relative to the U.S. I want to dive deep on a very specific issue that gets lots of chatter, certainly on Twitter and LinkedIn, but I think actually is a pain point for um, retailers, both uh, in operationally, but also from a safety perspective, a security perspective, and that is the ability or lack of ability for retailers to do something about their windows, right? And can you see into a facility? Can you not? What does it mean? What are the rules? There seems to be, a ironically, a lack of clarity around this issue uh, around the front windows. What What is your sense of where that is today, either in Ontario or overall? And like, do you think there'll be movement on that to provide an added layer of security for retailer to not have to fog down their windows, but also help them do business at street level. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and just like anything, you know, that seems to drive change, first, you kind of have to have a discussion and sort of uh, a dialogue about it sort of hit a, a certain point before a decision maker starts looking at this like something that needs to be changed. And I think, unfortunately, um, the robberies we're seeing in Alberta. I had a client call me today. They got robbed yesterday. Um, you know, thankfully no one was hurt. Thankfully it wasn't a lot of money, but you know, we're seeing all these robberies in Alberta here in Ontario as well. Other provinces certainly too. Um, and like, is that what it's going to take for this to have to change? Because the whole requirement in Ontario is you're not allowed to, the products can't be visible from the street why well it's, it can only be one of two things or both which is you know heaven forbid a child you know sees something through the window uh that enticing packaging that everyone's allowed to carry in their shops um yes very you know highly colorful lots of cartoon characters all those things um, excise stamp excise stamp um or you know is it converting non-consumers into consumers and either way you know the when you look at the lcbos that not only have clear windows but in some cases use those windows for window displays to entice people to come in um you know so you've got that on one hand you've got the security aspect on the other hand and then the real question is what is this accomplishing aside from putting people in danger um and even if it doesn't put every store in danger you know one is enough and like at that point we should be having a discussion about you know, is are the are there benefits to obscuring the windows in the first place? And if there are, let's first let's assume there are. Um, do they outweigh what's happening as a result of people just being able to run into the store and no one can see what's going on inside? Yeah. Um, 
So hopefully this year we see a little bit of, of change about that. It just, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a regulation that makes much sense. There's a whole bunch of them, uh, regulations that don't make much sense in the federal act in the various provinces. And um, me personally, I've been prepared to sort of um, be patient with it because when we did this in 20, when we being Canada, not me and you, certainly, um, but when, when the government legalized in 2018, they wrote all these laws in the abstract to try to encompass all these situations that might happen. Now we're living with them and we're seeing how it plays out in real terms. And in some cases, like the storefronts, that causes security problems and safety problems. In other cases, it just, you know, results in ridiculous outcomes and, you know, uh, redundancies. So now that we're three, you know, in that three-year review, uh, hopefully we can start having a meaningful conversation about changing some of these things that don't make sense for industry, don't make sense for consumers, and we can change them without having a negative impact on society in general. My only concern, uh, which is how it has been for the last few years, is that unfortunately, um, the same government arm that regulates our cannabis industry regulates the pandemic, for lack of a better word, regulates. So they've got their hands full, um, whether or not they're doing a lot of stuff on that front is debatable, but you know, it's, it's probably not top of, top of priority, top of mind for them right now. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, that, that's helpful. Cause I think that is, that is something, you know, we've gone from the very, you know, that's provincially run, provincially governed, very specific to retailers to broader sort of conversation around even potency limits at the, at the federal level. Like there's lots of things on the horizon that will change whether it's one year or two years or certainly will be addressed. And that's why we like connecting with you always, Matt Maurer. Um, and so we appreciate the partnership. We look forward to the year ahead. Thank you for your time today. I will say definitively happy new year as opposed to question mark, happy new year. And we look forward to connecting with you uh, down the road. Happy new year to you as well. And I'll, I will say it to fit. We can make it a happy new year, regardless of our external circumstances. That's right. There's actually a, you probably drive by it on Bloor street. Uh, the paradise theater on Bloor and Dovercourt says happy ish new year. That's what it says. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I will keep my eye. Listen, and it's, uh, it's early January. We have to start optimistic, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. As we lock down in the basement once again. Well, Matt, nonetheless, we will see you down the road, whether like this or in person or both. Uh, thanks for making time. Always a pleasure, Jay. Thank you for joining us, Matt. As always, that was episode three of Cannabis Daily for today, which is Wednesday, January 5th. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube. Please do subscribe. Visit us at businessofcannabis.com and we will see you all tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.